Welcome everyone to the first of the three-part series on ritual reenactments, Becoming Moshe, a mother and a high priest in the Yamin no Rang Tefillah. So this series will focus on core pieces of the Slichot, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur liturgies, specifically exploring the roles that our liturgy asks us to step into on these days and at these key moments. So it's my pleasure to introduce Rabbanit Leah Sarna, the newest member of Drisha's education team. Uh, she's serving as the Associate Director of Education and Director of High School Programs, and we're very excited to have her aboard. Uh, Rabbanit Sarna previously served as the Director of Religious Engagement at Anche Shalom B'nai Israel, B'nai Israel Congregation in Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago. Rabbanit Sarna was ordained at Yeshiva Marat in 2018. She holds a BA from Yale University in Philosophy and Psychology and also trained at the Stella K. Abraham Beit Midrash for Women and Migdal O's here with us at Drisha, so our very own, and the Center for Modern Torah Leadership. Rabbanit Sarna has lectured in Orthodox synagogues and Jewish communal settings around the world, and she loves spreading her warm and energetic love for Torah mitzvot with Jews of all stages of life, which I am sure you will uh, enjoy and experience as well tonight. So without further ado, welcome and Rabbanit Sarna. Thanks. So I want to start by saying a few words about kind of the overall concept um, or kind of thesis statement of um, this series. So that you know, uh, introduced it very capably, thank you. Um, and the idea is that at various times in our field, we are asked to role play. We're asked to take on um, a a situation or an identity um, that might not necessarily be ours, but we step into it and that is helpful because it enables us to access parts of ourselves or a certain type of relationship um, or between humans and God, let's say, or between humans and each other that we might not necessarily um, access so naturally. Um, so for example, like none of us are Moshe Rabbeinu, but my argument tonight is that our Slichot liturgy asks us to imagine ourselves into the very, very, very large shoes of Moshe um, in, in our Tfilot as we say Slichot. So that is, um, you know, sometimes people like to like bury their thesis, but that that's the point. Um, and uh, I'm just putting it out there uh, kind of right from the start. So the reason why I wanted to talk about these um, themes that come out in our Tfilah, and, and I think that this, um, this is actually a tool for making our Tfilah better. Because sometimes it's really hard to say, um, I'm Leah and I am talking to God today, because that's just like a really crazy thing. Um, that requires all sorts of beliefs about God and, and, and a belief in our relationship with God that, that sometimes can be hard to access or just hard to like really conceptualize or step into at any given time. But if we can say, I'm not Leah, I'm Moshe, or I'm Leah tapping into Moshe, then, then you can bring into that all of your all of your beliefs and ideas about Moshe and, and transfer those onto your own tefillah, and that can be like a really uh, strong and powerful way to engage in tefillah. So um, that is part one. And then part two, um, particularly for Slichot, is that actually I think when it comes to Slichot, this is more important than ever because if I had to ask you, what is the central um, tefillah element of slichot? What is the like recurring um, piece? What is the, like, it, almost like it's not a slicha if it doesn't um, begin or end um, sandwich with like this text. What is, what is that one line that, that, that recurs throughout all of our slichot? You can just hit the space bar and call it out. Yudgil Mido. Hi, Tali. Okay, right. the, the, the 13 attributes of God. Okay, um, so the 13 attributes of God are this really central piece. And actually, um, in so when you dive in together with a minion, then amazing, you can see the 13 Mido exactly as they're written into the text. But if you are not dominating with a minion, it is a little bit complicated, actually. So I want to stay home um, and I want to say slichot because that is a really important thing that I do in the month of Elul. Okay, so how do I actually do that? So there's a few different options. Consult your, you know, whoever you consult when thinking about whether a minion can convene over Zoom or whether if a minion is together in person, you can join that minion over Zoom. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm, I'm mostly interested in the concept of this, which is, let's say you're totally alone, you're not on Zoom, you just open your Slichot book and you read. When you get to the 13 Midot, the Shulchan Aruch says you can only read that line as his language is, Derech Kriya Ba'alma. 
you can you can read that line as just reading. The Mishnah Bura explains what that means is Vinigunu um, with tune and and Mikra. You can lane it. Um, which means that what you're doing when you say the 13, when you recite the 13 Midot, when you're saying Slicho to yourself, you are you are just leaning them. You're just reading Psukim from the Torah. You can read Psukim from the Torah at any time. And so you're saying this liturgy, but you're saying it kind of differently with a recognition that this line can only be recited as a tefillah with the power of a minion, but it can be recited as a pasuk by anyone at any time. And what that means then is in this year when we're, many of us are likely to be saying slichot on our own, um, it, it makes good sense to take a look actually at what that pasuk is and where it comes from. So that is what I want, where I want us to start. Um, was that a hand? Yeah, were you just raising a hand or? No, okay. Um, great, so um, there's a source sheet that it has just put in the chat. I think it might've also been emailed out to people, um, but also I'm going to try to share my screen. Um, okay, I'm gonna like share and unshare and that's probably gonna be a little bit annoying for you. So if you want to um, look at it on on your own like screen on the side, that is also a thing that you can do. Okay, so you got, just give a thumbs up that you can see my screen with the source sheet on it. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, so here's the context. We're, we're in Shmoot and the um, we've already had the golden calf and it's been really bad and Hashem says to the Jewish people, this is right at the top here, um, Hashem says, you should keep going, right? Hashem says to Moshe, you and this nation that you, Moshe, you brought them out of Egypt. Right? Hashem is so mad at the people that he's claiming that the whole exodus, that was Moshe. Hashem had nothing to do with it, right? Which is like really, really strong, strong move over there. Um, and, and you'll take them and, and you'll bring them into the land. I'm going to send an angel because I'm not going to go with you because the people are too stiff-necked and if I go with you, if I, Hashem, go in your midst, I'm going to destroy you on the way. So I'm going to send the Malach, you, Moshe, are going to leave, there's going to be a Malach, you're going to be fine, but like, I, Hashem, I'm out. Like, I can't do this. Um, and... Um, and the people hear this, right? They hear this terrible thing. They the blue and they mourn. Um, and um, okay, so so Hashem says, no, it didn't work. Like this is what's happening. Um, so Moshe says back to him, listen. You told me you were coming with us. You told me that it would be you. And I want to know you better, right? Moshe, Moshe, instead of, instead of arguing on the facts or being like, Hashem, like, uh, you took them out of Egypt, Moshe says, let's, let's be closer. Let's be closer. Let's be closer because that is where Chaim comes from. So that you will see it, that I will find grace in your eyes. You will look towards me graciously, and you will see. And through that, we will have a relationship. And you'll see these people, and you'll claim them. And Hashem says, nope, absolutely not, not happening. And then there's a little bit more back and forth, and Moshe perseveres. He says, no, I want to be close to you. Show me your your glory. Show me your honor. And God says back to Moshe, I will let my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim before you the name God and the grace that I grant and the compassion that I show. Okay. And then Hashem says, but you can't actually see my face because man can't see my face and live. Um, okay, so then you're going to go and you'll be on the Nikrat Hatsur and I will 
cover you with my hand until I pass. And then it, you, I'll take my hand away, says God. And I'll take my hand away and you'll see my back. And you will not see my face. But this is a tremendous rate. This is, this is a, a narration of what is to come. Um, and then... Oh, and then, right, so, and then, and then we have all these commandments about making the second set of tablets. And then what happens is, okay, now we're doing it, right? So, I'm arguing that this is, uh, this is what was told would just happen, and now it's actually happening, and included in that are the tablets, but there's multiple ways of reading this, um, and no one's going to come up with you. Okay, so then what is, when does it happen? This is when it happens. We have this moment. Moshe makes these two tablets, and he goes up in the morning, and God comes down in the cloud. Okay, so God comes down in the cloud and he's standing with him there. Okay, so now what happens? Vaikra Bashem Hashem. And he called out in the name of God, or he called out the name of God. Who is Vaikra here? Who who's the one who called out? You can argue it at least two ways. So just someone either name both or pick one. Um, it could be either God or Moshe. See, Moshe makes more sense, I guess, but it seems like God is the subject of the Pesach here, so. Okay, great. So if it's God, that makes sense because Vejetziv Imosham seems to be clearly God, right? God comes and stands with him there. So God's the one who's doing things already in this Pesach. So if then you have another verb, that seems like maybe it would likely be God. Um, but why would it then make more sense actually for it to be Moshe? Sally or someone else. Because why would God call out in his own name? Good, right? When I, let's say I, I see you, Yael, and I, I see you on the street, I would say, Yael, not Leia. <laughs> that would be strange, right? <laughs> um, thank you, Shkaiach. Okay, right? So, so we have this, this ambiguity. Who is Vaikra B'Shim Hashem? So if you, um, good. So the Parshanim also have this same debate. Um, the Rashi is actually a little bit ambiguous, but typically this Rashi is understood as um, Moshe called out. Um, but he, he quotes the Targum and under, and, and typically, like the, the Rashi has, Rashi is a commentator on the Torah. And then there's all sorts of commentators on Rashi who explain Rashi further. So most of those commentators think that when Rashi quotes Unglos here, Rashi thinks that Unglos means that it was Moshe who called out, whereas uh, Rashbam would say, no, it's, it's God calling out. Um, so, right, so God comes down and he is, so God comes down, he stands with Moshe who is standing there. And, and Rashbam, right, has the same reading that I did, that this is, Hashem told Moshe what was going to happen, and now it's happening. So, Vayitiyatibi Mosham is the Mitzad al-Tzur. And then, who is Vayikrav Hashem Hashem? Rashbam says, no, that's, that's God. Um, that, that's, 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 um, sorry, I'm messing with my source sheet here, and it's confusing. Okay. Um, that is, right, when, when a God comes down, he says his own name, which is, by the way, what he had, um, what he had said he was going to do. So if you look back at verse 19, which is what um, Rashbam said, right, this is, we told you what's going to happen, and now it's happening. Here you have, God says, I'm going to pass all of my goodness before you, I'm going to call out the name of God before you. So what's even the question? For sure it's God. God said, I'm going to call out the name of God. And then God comes down and behold, he calls out the name of God. What's the ambiguity? On the other hand, right? So that's a pretty strong argument for it being God because God said he was about to, he was, God said God was going to do it. And then God did it. Um, on the other hand, um, as Yael said very correctly, 
it's super weird. Uh, it's super weird. And that's why you have Rashi in the Parsha Ne Rashi um, saying, um, no, it's, it's Moshe. It's Moshe. God comes down and Moshe says, God. Okay. So um, is the question that you're, is the underlying question here, who says the Yud Gimel Midot or just that phrase? Good. Perfect question. You couldn't have been better. Okay, so let's look at the next verse. So when, then it says, Hashem al panav, vayikra, and you have exactly as Yael um, uh, suggested, you have another Vayikra here, and this Vayikra, this calling out, is similarly ambiguous. So, right, we have, it's exactly the same thing in the sense that we have a verb at the beginning of the verse where it's clearly God. Here it's even said, right? Or here it's the same as the last verse, it's said, right? Hashem al panav, God passed before his face. And then Vaikra. So who here is Vaikra? Who's the one who called here? And I think it's it's exactly similar to the argument that we just had about the previous Vaikra. So yeah, do you wanna do you wanna take a stab at playing it out? How would you see it in both ways? We could say that it's God teaching Moshe, or as he's passing by, is saying the the Yud Gimel Midot. Or we could say that Moshe says this to God as God is passing by, and then God is silent. Perfect. Exactly. So that's exactly, exactly right. So it could be that Hashem, Hashem comes down to Moshe and Hashem calls out these words, or it could be Hashem comes down to Moshe and then Moshe is like, so like Moshe gives forth this like beautiful, powerful utterance. Um, so it could, it could really be either of those. Um, does anyone want to chime in about which seems like more compelling or which seems more like what you always assumed um or either of those either from like a text perspective or from a here's how this scene like from a i don't know like a staging perspective like here's how this scene would make sense to me uh i always thought that it made more sense to read this pasuk as rather than the way that we actually sort of say it in the liturgy and that because I don't know the 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 two Hashem's I, I know that there are a lot of sort of um, midrashically charged ways to read it, but in the shot it always made more sense to me that the subject is specified here. In sorry, in so like so like it would be it would be God passed over, uh, right? Uh, God passed across his face and mm-hmm. God called, right? That Vaikra Hashem colon and what he actually said is Hashem El Rahum Vehanun. Got it. Who's talking right now? I can't actually see. It's me. I'm sorry. My video doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who me is. Though. Theo. Theo. Oh, hi, Theo. Theo <laughs> I, I suspected you sounded like Theo, but um, I thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Um, okay, so that's definitely an interesting read. It definitely um, not against the, uh, that, that's definitely reads against the kind of rabbinic understanding that the first two of the 13 midot are one, Hashem, and two, Hashem, right? So that would say, and then God called out, colon, and the, the, the first two midot are Hashem, and then Kel, or however you want to read it, but the, the line then loses, loses the first word that we would traditionally understand it as, um, which is a totally um, interesting read. Um, so then the way the verse would read, just Theo said it very clearly, but just to say it again, um, right? So, so God passes over his, his face, and God called out. And then, but, but still you have this strangeness, Theo, of God still calling out his own name. So on the one hand, you, you have like text proof of um, of the speaker of the thirteen mito being God, if you if you read it in the way that you do, you read it against the rabbinic read. Uh, on the other hand, you still have all of the questions that that Yael uh, was raising of like, what does it mean for God to call out His own name, and now He'll have done it twice. Does anyone else have have thoughts or or, or reads that they've always kind of brought to this text? I think that the assumption in this situation is that God is like revealing himself to Moshe in some way. It definitely does make some sort of logic for it to be God who's doing the revealing and talking in this situation. And then like Moshe's response later is he like quickly bows down, right? If it, like it had come from him, I'm not sure why there's like the hair aspect because like it's a little bit more of his initiative of like calling out to God. I don't know. Right. 
So Tali says, right, it seems like it has to come from God because there's clearly meant to be some kind of revelation, right? Moshe asks, God, show me your glory. So if this isn't it, then what is it? So I think you could say, well, Tali, there's a whole, uh, it's funny that I'm telling you this, um, there's a whole visual component. <laughs> um, and um, and the, right, that the text can only barely tell us about where Moshe is literally having this visual, right? Moshe has promised he'll see the, the back of God. Um, so Moshe is having this whole kind of sensory visual experience that potentially prompts this utterance um, and that the utterance then is Moshe but that's only like a you know that's the tiniest piece of of this whole thing but the Torah happens to be a verbal document written in words so that's the piece that that gets written out even though that you know if you were watching it on a stage you would uh, there would be a lot more action that was nonverbal. Um, and you could say back to me well yeah but like you saw Moshe bowing down or whatever you know, um, yes, very good. Okay, so basically what I want to say is that this text is highly ambiguous, um, and that ambiguity um, gets carried out into our Parshanim, right, we just saw, um, and, but there are a few other places we can look for him. So let's now look at Bamidbar. So here we are again after, like, you know, a bad thing that the Jewish people did, we're after um, the sin of the spies, and, and now we have um, and we have really like a very similar thing. God wants to like not go with the people anymore. God wants to kill them, kill them all in the desert. And now we're in, um, we're in source number two, if you're following along on the source sheet, not on the screen share. Um, Moshe then taps in to this, um, to this moment, we're in verse 17 here. Um, more right so um read my translation therefore i pray let my lord's forbearance be great as you have declared saying and then hashem right so then you have the 13 midot interestingly enough minus one of the hashem so this gives gives further credence to what theo was suggesting that maybe it's Vayikra Hashem colon Hashem Hashem, um, because when Moshe says it over, here you only have one Hashem at the beginning. But more so than that, you have more, as God had said. <laughs> okay, so right, so what you have here, does someone want to summarize? Like, how is how is um, Moshe using God's words in this passage? Like, what's Moshe trying to trying to do? What are what have these words become? What do, what do they, like, affect? Like holding God to his word. Like, you said you would be this attribute, so do it. Yeah, right? So we, ha we have um, God, potentially God, describing himself as I am these attributes. And then Moshe says, hey, God, remember in that moment of, like, tremendous closeness and, and, um, and, and revelation between us and, and grace between us. Um, you, you told me this about yourself and, and behold, I would like to see you be this kind of like best version of yourself, let's say. Um, and, and, and what Moshe is, is doing by, um, by reminding God of God's own words is, is bringing about the final effect of tshuva, uh, which is like a very interesting thing, right? Where like, there's also a piece of like appeasement in tshuva. So you have to like change yourself. And then you also have to like go and ask forgiveness. And asking forgiveness is in part about actually achieving forgiveness. Um, obviously our sources have a lot to say about what happens if you can't do that, but that's the goal always, is for the person you wrong to forgive you. And God seems to have given Moshe like the, the key to appeasing God, which is this line. And what this line is, seems to be a reminder to God of God's own attributes, which were spoken uh, as the second tablets were being, were being uh, written. So we have this very, very powerful line that becomes the centerpiece of our slichot. And what I want to argue is that our slichot try to bring us into this moment. Um, so in, when we say slichot, both in the weeks leading up to Rosh Hashanah and then between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and then um, in most traditions, we say slichot at least after Kol Nidre and then as part of Ni'ilah, we don't just like 
okay, we like said a poem and now like, boom, we say the 13 we don't. There's, there's actually a whole narration. It's not just like a recitation of these lines. We actually describe the moment with this really like intense visual. So, right, so here's, the, there's two different ways it gets described. So, this is from the Sikhot. From you came down in a cloud on Harsinai, and you showed the ways of your goodness to Moshe, your servant, um, as it says. And we literally read the verses. And then, and then we say, we say to God, like, um, Overlook sin and wipe away guilt as on that day. So we're bringing ourselves back into that moment and we're saying, God, just like then, you could wipe away sin in that way. So too today, that's exactly what, what we're asking you. Um, uh, give ear to our pleading and listen to our speech. As on that day, kayom, again, within two sentences, we said this word, kayom, kayom, twice, right? That, that it's again, like, right now, okay, I'm, like, I'm in Philadelphia. I'm, it's just me and my sleep book. But remember that day, that day where it was you and it was Moshe and it was this moment of intense closeness. Let's rework that day. Let's revisit that day together as I'm going to remind you of these attributes that you, that you have brought. Um, and, and so that's like one way that we do it. And then we, we do it another way um, with... Um, Was that day according to the count on Yom Kippur? Um, that Moshe like came, to, I don't know. Didn't so, is it in the count of the, of the second Luchot or something like, didn't did Moshe come down on Yom Kippur or God said Salahti on Yom Kippur? Yeah, so I think... I think that's a great question, and I could. I'm just. I'm nervous to like put my foot in my mouth. I could look. Like it up. you know what I'm referring to. Hundred percent. Referring to, um, and that would be really awesome if that's right. And I feel like you probably are right, but also I'm like, I don't know. You asked me, but it could also be because this is the day when Moshe goes up, and I think then he stays up for a while. So, wait till he goes up. Oh, maybe he goes. So he goes up forty days earlier. I don't know. Okay. So that's what I'm wondering. I think he comes down on Yom Kippur, not. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you're making, I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting anxious that I'm going to say the wrong thing, but I'm happy to follow up with you afterwards. Um, but, but either way, right, that whole narrative does get tied in calendrically to Yom Kippur. So that's for sure, right. Um, and I should definitely know the answer to your question. And I'm just feeling anxious right now and, and not. So <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but, but you're making a beautiful point. Yeah, please. Can I answer? So also at that moment, if we're revisiting that moment with God, I wonder if also on that moment, we're not only like, we're also, we're also connecting to Moshe in that moment, that, that sense of like responsibility towards like the others around us, because Moshe was really using that on behalf of B'nai Israel here, not on behalf of himself. Absolutely. That's exactly right. So I want to say, right, it's two things. It's, it's both we're, we're connecting into that moment of incredible closeness between Moshe and, and, and Hashem. And, and really, by the way, I should mention, like every year before Slichot start, I reread those prakim of the Torah just to like get into it. And I, I strongly recommend um, that practice um, because that, that is like, that's the moment that we're tapping into and all of the elements of it. So not just the closeness of the or almost fusion between Moshe and God that's on a, like almost a physical level, right? Of, or just like the most straightforward level of Moshe saying to God, show yourself to me and God saying, okay, um, which is just really like an intense thing to have happen. Um, because also I feel like all the time we're like, God, like show yourself to me. And most of the time we don't have an experience of God saying, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Um, right, that's like, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't merited that experience yet. Maybe, um, maybe you have and I, I'd be interested to hear about it after. Um, but um, so first of all, like that's amazing. And that's what we all, or I at least like really, really wish could happen in my life. Um, so that's one thing. And then two, you have, um, two, you have this incredible forgiveness for, 
um, a tremendous sin and violation. And three, you have um, you have almost like a fusion between God and Moshe. Meaning, what I want to say is that I think that the that the um, that the ambiguity in the verses of who is calling out and who is saying what, I think that ambiguity is 100% purposeful. And I think it's 100% um, just trying to bring you into this moment of closeness so much so that we don't even know who said who, who said what and where and who and exactly, like, I don't even remember. Or like the best feeling, the feeling, I don't know whether you have this like with your best friends, but with my best friends, like we can like anticipate what each other are gonna say. And then like you just fill in each other's sentences and there's this experience of tremendous closeness that comes from that knowledge of the other. And I think that that's almost what's being described here that, that Moshe and God are knowing each other both visually through a showing through an expression through these words of like description um, of God and through who even said it it doesn't even matter I don't even know but it's this like profound truth that came out through their relationship and then in addition to that as we step into this really moment in our tefillah clearly we're stepping in as Moshe because we are directing our tefillah to God right so that's another thing that um, that, that's another thing that our slichot really, really make clear, right? We're talking to God. Like, please hear our supplications. We're not, we're not talking to Moshe when we say that. We're talking to God, and that means that when we use the 13 midot in order to ask for that, we are stepping into the shoes of Moshe in that moment of closeness and who even said it and we don't even know um and um and and hoping that god will then forgive our iniquities now in the way that in the way that god did um the way that god did then um so i just want to look at a few more sources that kind of touch on these texts in really interesting ways but um before we do that i'm happy to take any um comments that other people might have so uh, feel free to hop in at any time. Um, I do want to look at this beautiful Gemara from Masachet Roshana. So it's um, it's almost like a it's a midrash. On our, yeah, was someone saying something? No. Um, it's a midrash on our verses. So um, it was quotes. Uh, God came down, passed passed over um, passed over Moshe's face and called out. If the verse didn't say it, it would be impossible to say it. Um, for those familiar with kind of the, the majesty of the Talmud, typically what follows is something that the verse like completely doesn't say. Um, that's typically what this what this leads into. Um, so, uh, but but also something like mind-bogglingly beautiful. So that's also what is about to happen. Um, when it, it tells, it teaches us that God wrapped God's self like a prayer leader, like a shaliach tzibor. Um, I learned a very beautiful thing about this one time. I was learning this text with um, some wonderful people in White Plains, and someone had a great idea about um, how you get from the scene that we read in Shmot to he suggested that the clouds are the atifah kishaliyach tibor, which I thought was very beautiful. That that um, that that just as the prayer leader wraps himself in um, in a talit, so too um, God wrapped God's self in clouds, um, which I, I just thought was such a beautiful way to think about talit and also. Um, such a beautiful way to like imagine what the talit of God looks like because then it also means that like we all have access to it um, if it's if it's clouds um, so that that I, I just really love that and just love passing it on also um, as something that that I I learned in the last couple of years um, and when okay so when that happened and that's when Moshe learned how to daven Moshe learned um, the learned how to pray from the order of the prayer from from God when God wrapped himself um, like a shaliach tzibor. And Amarlo, and then so God taught him seder tefillah, and then God said to Moshe, kuzman shisrael chutim, any time that the Israelites sin, yasulifanai kesider hazet, do this, do this order before me, va'ani mochalahem, and I will forgive them. So that's basically how we actually had interpreted um, our texts in Bamidbar. So you can see kind of 
where this com comes from that not only was Moshe there at kind of the original giving of these texts, but then Moshe knew next time around, Moshe knew how to use them effectively. So what Rabbi Yochanan is imagining or is su suggesting or knows from the Masorah or whatever it is, right, Rabbi Yochanan suggests that in that first instance where we see in Shmot from the, from the first time that these, um, that, that these 13 Midot appear, actually there was more to the conversation there where God also said, by the way, this is gonna work now, and next time, do this again, right? Because we also kind of, there's something to this also about, um, sometimes people feel like, oh, our tefillot are so repetitive, like how can I say the same thing every day? And here we have God saying to Moshe, no, no, no like there's a trick and it works. <laughs> and anytime this happens, do exactly this and it will work, um, which, which I think sort of lends a different, lends, lends kind of at least like a, a God-endorsed idea for how to, uh, for how to pray, which is that, you know, there's formulas and the formulas work and, and use them and they're powerful. Um, and so, um, I don't know, I also, I also like that element of this. Um, and then, and then you have also here Rav Yehuda, I'll skip a few lines of the Gemara, and we'll have here Rav Yehuda who says, and where does that, right, so he says there's a covenant around the 13 um, around the 13 attributes, which makes sense, by the way, because you have language of breed. We, we, I think, cut out before this, but if you go up, yeah, here. So if you go up, see, I was just making sure it was on my source sheet. Um, if you go up to here, right? Right? God says, I, I make a covenant. So in context here, the covenant is not about the 13 attributes, it's what the 13 attributes here have already accomplished, which is a renewed closeness, not just between God and Moshe, but between God and all the people. Um, but in the Bavli, this Brit is more than just, um, okay, I'm going to stay with you. This Brit is actually about the effectiveness of the 13 uh, attributes in general. And so when, right, so it's Brit, sorry, um, so there's a covenant around these 13 attributes that they are never returned empty. As it says, which is the verses we just looked at, um, behold, I, I, make, I make a covenant. Okay. So... What's also a really nice idea of this God, idea of God being the, first of all, I thought that maybe the talit is God like covering his face because God said, you can't see me. Maybe the talit is the, the separation, you know, that Moshe can't see him. And the other thing that I was thinking is that it's really a nice idea that God is like, almost like participating with us in our tefillot. If he's the shaliach sibur, it's not us only praying up to this unattainable place in the heavens, but there's this like feet on the ground relationship taking place in our world. Um, absolutely, right? That, that if the, Okay, I'll repeat what, you're, what you said, and then I had, I had a, a relating thought, which I'm also very excited about, um, which is, right, so, so if God is the shaliach tibor, then it's not like, oh, we're down here, and God's up there, and we're praying to God. It's like, no, God, God taught us how to pray. God continues to teach us how to pray. God's with us in our prayers to God, which we will see even more of in just a moment, um, but that's definitely an idea that I'm very excited about, um, but um, secondarily, I, I did just want, and I'll, I'll come back to this a little bit at the end also, but this moment between, so right, we have slichot, which needs to maybe be said with a minion in order to like recite them fully normally. We talked about that in the introduction, that there's a lot of like halachic hesitation about reciting the 13 attributes without a minion. But I do want to say that like these 13 attributes were revealed with one person and God right? Like they weren't revealed in front of the whole people with the whole Eda or a whole Kahal. Um, and that there's something in a year where, where maybe gathering is like really hard or dangerous or not the right thing for us to be doing right now for whatever reason, um, or for safety reasons. Um, there, there is something to like the heart of these Tfilot come about from just one person 
getting really intense with God and that that's a model and a possibility that we can tap into particularly um, this year. And what does it mean for that? That's actually like, what does that relationship mean? It doesn't look like, or it can look like me talking to, up to God, but it can also look like me and God having a meeting in which we are praying together to God. And I think in some ways that's a little bit more accessible, a little bit easier, um, and, and very much connected in, meaning we have that idea, that idea follows us in every tefillah, right? When we say, Hashem right? God open my mouth so that, um, so that I can recite your praises. And we say that at the beginning, of every time we say the Shimon Esrei, um, more on that in a minute, um, it, that's also us asking God to, to like show us the way into prayer, that God should be with us in as we are praying. Um, and I think that that um, is, is very similarly um, part of this, this idea that I'm trying to get at um, for Slichot as well. Um, okay, so this is just a, like kind of an aside, but like what could it mean that God wraps God's self like a shaliach tibor? Like what, what is that, how is that possible? So, so um, here you have Rabinu Khan saying, uh, so the anthropomorphism has gotten to be too much. <laughs> um, so he says, No, God commanded an angel to do that. Um, and, um, and the Ripa says, no, no, like it's, it's prophecy, and Moshe has a type of prophecy none of us have access to, right? So the Ripa says, Shanira came a Moshe ben Mar'eha nevu'ah. It appeared to Moshe in, in a prophetic vision, and God can look however um, God wants in a prophetic vision. Um, and, and, and just to, to like drive home the point that we're trying to uh, that we're trying to kind of live this out when we say slichot, the Magen Abraham says, um, it, like, which means, by the way, who are, in, in the Magen Abraham, or like in whatever, the imagination that leads to this halacha, who are we when we say the Yagimomizot? God. God. We're God. So the way I, I think the way that's easier for me to approach that is we are like living out this Moshe God fusion moment. I think that's like a little bit um, easier for me, but I, I think the Magen Avram would have to own that that's his reading of the, of the Gemara and Rosh Hashanah, is that when, when the Shaliyah Tibor gets up to lead Slichot, that Shaliyah Tibor is imitating God, um, which is just a really- amazing amazing visual um and um and yeah i mean especially in shoals where so different synagogues have different customs about this but many synagogues the person who, who leads mariv from the amud um does not wear a talit and yet um and right because um because tzitzit are only during the day or whatever, okay um but so no talit in those synagogues, no talit for Mariv, but yes talit for Slichot, which happened, you know, a few hours later than Mariv. So that's kind of interesting, right? That 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 you do, and and, and this is where that comes from, like, that you are that that the the leader does put on a talit for Slichot, even in a synagogue where or in a setting where he wouldn't be or she or they or whatever wouldn't be putting on a um, a talit for um, for other nighttime prayers. Okay, so I said we're gonna get back to um, the Shemona Esrei in a minute. So here's where. Um, so the Levush here, other sheets here. So we're in source number seven. So the Levush here says um, that the Slichot are modeled after all of our other Tfilot, which is, once you like hear that idea, it's actually, and you're familiar enough with Slichot, it's actually intuitive that it starts with Ashrei, then you have then you have, oh, and you have Kaddish, you have Ashrei, you have Kaddish, you have Slichot, you have Nefilat Apayim, you have um, Tachanon, and, um, and then you have a Kaddish Shalem, and then you have, like, the same kind of Kaddish that you say after every other full unit of Tfilah um, at the end. So the Lavosh says, okay, so Slichot are modeled after, um, after like the same way that Shachrit and Mincha and Mariv are organized, or at least Shachrit and Mincha, if you want to talk about Ashrei, fine. And so, but what is the Shmona Esrei? What is like the apex of that, of the Tfilah, which is Slichot? So he says, 
that is the yogyamamito. Ikar hatfila hu yogyamamito. So in so you actually have like an entire prayer service with a leader who's wearing a talit, who then um, which has a shmona esrei, and that shmona esrei is these yogyamamito. So. The reason why I think this is interesting is, well, first of all, it's just interesting. But second of all, what it means is then in this whole business of like God teaching Moshe how to daven, the Lavash says, yeah, exactly. And it's not just, it's the Yukimomido, yes, of course, but it's also all tefillah because Slichot is just an example of, um, of tefillah in general. Slichot is not all that different, it's not all that unique. Um, and that the, the Yogyam Amidot are actually basically just Ashmona Esrei. Um, and when you, um, and what I, what, I, what I love about that, or, or one of the things that I love about that is that then it, this moment of like closeness that we tap into when we recite the Yogyam Amidot as part of Slichot um, actually can then kind of infuse all of our other Shmona Esreis of the season. Um, even if like slichot are really late at night and we struggle with them, like this is a moment that we can then tap into um, in other um, in other like times as as we as we go through Elul and Tishrei. Um, okay, so I want to I'm gonna use the last ten minutes. Um, oh, okay. So just one thing is that the timing. Oh, here we go. Sorry. Yeah, I. It's even on my source sheet, and I, I blanked when you asked about the calendar. I'm so sorry about that, but here we go. Um, so in terms of when we say slichot, so um, there's a, the Sephardic custom is to start already Rosh Chodesh Elul. So if you're Sephardic, this is not preparing you for slichot. You have been saying them for 19 days already, uh, or tonight would be 20, I guess. Um, but um, Rosh Chodesh Elul is the day that Moshe went up. So that the Mishnah Brura comments on the Shulchan Aruch, he says, um, And so then, um, this moment actually happened on, seems like on Rosh Chodesh Elul, though it's a little bit hard to like pin the text of the Torah down to a timeline, but it seems like that would be the, the read. Um, and um, and the, when that happened, Hevir Shofar B'Machana, Moshe Alalahar, Shelo Yitu'od, Achar Vodazara, Vavei Eiratzon. So Moshe goes up to the mountain with the second tablets, and they blew Shofar in the whole camp, right? We all start blowing Shofar on Rosh Chodesh Elul as part of our tefillah. And, um, and they, they kind of announced, like, Moshe went up again, don't mess this up! <laughs> no one do a Vodazara! And, um, and, and that means that also it's, it's an Eiratzon for everyone, which is, it's a, it's a time where our tefillot are, are, are kind of accepted, and um, and that means that we should all be saying tefillot from the beginning of the month, or theoretically at least. Um, okay, so I'm gonna look at a little bit more about this idea that if we have a Moshe and God fusion, where maybe God was the one who called out the 13 Mido in the first place, what, uh, what does that even mean? What does it mean that God, and, and that that is an act of tefillah, right? We have those two elements. So then, what, like, what does that mean that God davens to God's self? So here we have Agmara on exactly that subject. Amar Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yochanan says the name Rabbi Yossi. Minayin shakadosh baruchu mitpalel. How do we know that God davens? Which is also great, right? Just an assumption that God davens, but where do we know it from? Not like, does God daven? That, that could be a different question. Um, so he says, here's where we know it from, Shemar. Um, I will bring them to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Not their prayer, my prayer. That's amazing. That's an amazing Gemara, just in general. Um, but... Okay, so what is tfilati? Does someone wanna does someone wanna just like spin with that for a moment? Right? Simachtim tefilati, house of my prayer. So then what what is that suggesting about prayer in general, about the Beit Hamidash, about God? Feel free to say obvious things. Nothing. That it's saying that's where um it's not a, a place where we pray to God, it's where God is praying with us. Yeah. Good. Who just said that? Kate. 
Kate, hello. Yeah. Um, um, so it's not, right, so it's not just a place where, um, where we pray to God, it's a place where God prays to God's self, says the Holy Kate. Um, right, okay. So th from there we know that God, so now does someone want to tie that back to our, to our sources, like what we've looked at until now? Well, we'll keep going here in a second, but we can like preempt. Uh, what do we think God, what do we think God davens to himself based on what we've seen until now, based on the, the verses that we looked at? The 13 attributes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. So, right. So maybe what God praised himself is the 13 attributes that definitely seems to be the, the interpretation of um, if, if we think that what happened on the mountain is God wrapped himself like God wrapped God's self like a shaliach tibor and showed Moshe how to daven, then God was davening. And what was God davening? God was davening the 13 attributes. Okay. So my matzai, so the Gemara says, and well, if God davens, then what does God say? Um, and instead of saying, I don't know, uh, the Gemara says, oh, we know. Amar Zutra Bartubia, Amar Rav. Zutra Bartubia says the name Rav. Yehid Raton Milfanai. May it be, <laughs> um, may it be my will. Right, just amazing, right? We say Yiraton Milfanacha, and God says Yiraton Milfanai. She Yichbeshu Rachamai et Kasai, Rachamai et Kasi, the Midotai, but Nahig im Banai, Bemidat Rachamim, Vakanislaham, Lifnim, Mishurat Hadin. May be it my will that my mercy will overcome my anger, and may my mercy prevail over my other attributes, and may I conduct myself towards my children with the attribute of mercy and may enter uh, before them beyond the letter of the law, right? So there's always, we talk about um, classically this, this, um, this, uh, keep my shoot, this, uh, sorry, it's late. Um, this, this tension between Dean and Rachamim, between justice and mercy, and God's prayer to God's self is, can my attribute of mercy win. <laughs> that is what God prays for God's self. May, may that be the attribute that I bring forward in this moment. And I, and I actually think so it seems like nuts, but as a prayer, it, it's actually like a, I think it's a prayer that, that actually like, I, I don't know, I think people can connect to it. Like we all, right, even as humans, like we're only a tiny fraction of the level of multifaceted that God is obviously. Um, and yet we go into interactions and we, we pray to God, to ourselves, may I, you know, enter into this argument calmly. Like, right, when you enter a room and you know it's going to be tense, you're like, please give me composure. Uh, please give me the strength. Please give me, right? Like, and you know, what you're asking for is for an attribute of yourself that you have to dominate yourself in the coming moment, right? And it seems like that's basically, um, that God does the same, Kivyechol, I guess, does the same, does the same thing, that, that God is multifaceted and God is aware of God's multifaceted nature, obviously, because God is also all-knowing. And, um, and therefore, um, God, God prays to God's self about which facet should kind of come to the fore and should dominate. Um, and what that means then is that when we are praying the 13 midot, this Gemara, I think, makes it just extraordinarily clear. When we say the 13 midot, um, Tali, I think, said this before, right? What we're asking God to do is to, to, to put his, uh, or to put God's um, attributes of mercy at the forefront. We're reminding God of God's kind of the, the attributes that we want God to show towards us. And we're reminding God that God wants to show us those attributes and has made a promise to show us those attributes. Um, so that's, and that's kind of the, 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 the movement that we make when we bring forward the 13 um, Mido as part of our Tula. Um, so I just want to, we, we have to, we just can't not read the rest of this Gemara. You just can't. It's like illegal. So, um, so we're going to, and then, and then I'll wrap up. Um, and, and, and I can stick around for questions also. So, so this is, there's actually a beautiful, this is put to music. You can check that out on YouTube. Um, so you have a bright dot, Amar, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Elisha, Pam, Achad, Nichnasti, Latir, Katar, Lifnai, Lifnim, Rabbi Shmuel, Ben Elisha, he was a high priest. And he's talking about what happened one time on Yom Kippur. 
said, I went in to bring the incense and the innermost part. We'll talk about that in uh, the third one of these. So come back for that. Um, I saw maybe God, let's say that that's a name for God. Um, He's sitting on this lofty chair. And he said to me, Yishmael, my son, bless me. Amartilo, Yihira Tolmi Fanacha, Shik Pashura Hamacha Kascha, the Golra Hamacha Midotaha, the Tinaheg Im Banacha Bemidat Harachim, the Tikanislahem, the Fnimishurata Din. Okay, so what is that thing I just read? It's the prayer that God says for God's self, we just heard. And here we say, God says to Yishmael, bless me. And Yishmael says that exact same sentence. And then what does God do? Vananali Berusho, God nods. And uh, the lesson is, says the Gemara, that anyone who gives you a blessing, you should take it. Don't don't treat it lightly. Just the way God God took, you know, God took seriously the blessing of um of Rabbi Shmuel Ben Alicia, the high priest. So too, whenever someone, you know, some lowly person gives you a blessing, you should take it. And so much did God take it, at least argues Ramzutra Bartumia, that that's, that's then God then kept, kept praying it. God learned, if the 13 Mido we learned from God, this Tefillah, God learned from a human, uh, which is really kind of an incredible suggestion of this Gemara. Um, so I just want to spend the last 30 seconds with a little bit of recap. Um, so that if this is the only one of these series, uh, you can at least, uh, well, also we start Slichot Saturday night. Um, so you can go into Slichot um, armed with many things to think about, hopefully. Um, but that the refrain of Slichot are the 13 attributes, the Yogamomido, and they all center around attributes of God that are merciful. Um, and we've seen here that those are the attributes of God that God, God's self, praise to bring to the fore and in some ways we're like doing our part by reminding God of those attributes that God, God's self wants um, to bring out and the, who, but who has the right to do that, right? Like I don't get to sit in my desk in Philadelphia and say that to God. I don't, but Moshe probably does. Moshe interceded on behalf of the people multiple times and so for me to feel like I have the right to stand before God or stand with God as God prays with me potentially for the for this, I have to step beyond myself. I have to feel bigger than I actually am. I have to forget that I'm just a little old human in a little apartment in Philadelphia. And I have to feel like I am Moshe and I am interceding on behalf of the Jewish people or potentially on behalf of the world, which is incredibly in need of God's mercy in this moment. And I'm going to remind God that not only are we in need of God's mercy, but that God wants to be merciful to us. And that that's what the Slichot, when they remind us of that moment of Moshe and God coming together in that first revelation of the 13 Nido, whether Moshe said them first or whether God said them first, it encourages us to experience ourselves as close enough with God that we have the right to say something like that. That we have the right to say, God, these are the attributes that I want to see from you manifested towards me and towards my people and towards the world. Um, and in order to feel that way, we have to, we have to become Moshe, um, which is really a tall order. So put on your Moshe shoes and, <laughs> or take them off, more to the point, I guess. Um, and, um, and Moshe has to take off his shoes when he goes to holy places um, and, um, and, and, and feel really um, strong going into Slicho because that is that is what these two require of us and they ask of us and the more that we can um step into these roles i think the the stronger which which i, I would argue and i tried to demonstrate that the the liturgy itself kind of asks or begs us to do um the more um hopefully the more our two will carry the effect and strength of moshe's two as well that is my blessing for all of you and for all of us uh, okay so wow. i'm around um, and take questions. Um, next week we're going to be talking about um, Rosh Hashanah liturgy and 
motherhood and it just I'll, I'll uh, cut to the cheese already that it I think it's a lot about us including like people who will never you know men etc people who will never be mothers channeling um motherhood to um towards god and hoping that god then channels uh, motherhood back towards us so more on rachamim next week uh, okay thank you okay and and and, and now questions well, can I can I say something though that I was thinking? I wonder, you know, as that the Gemara is actually saying at the end of the day, you don't have to be like Moshe in order to access God. You you God says to the to Revelisha or whatever, right? Ravishnam ben Elisha, and the halacha is a hediot, right? Mm -hmm. Take the bracha seriously. Maybe the message is that you don't have to be Moshe and you can be yourself and you could be in God's house of prayer and God will pray with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the Gemara, right? Yeah. Maybe. I love that. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for participating. Also, it was really, um, it was really wonderful. And the Gemara. I'm going to add one more thing. I'm going to let you go. Maybe everybody else has gone already. I don't know. The Gemara is really mimicking that exact experience of Shmot. Correct. Mm -hmm. I think it's, so. It's mo here. He's repeating the the tefillah that God says the way Moshe repeated that tefillah. Or the, or the reverse, right? We don't know. It leaves it open. Right. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm looking forward to next week. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Hi. Um, so I'm thinking that there's like this slippage between, that you sort of elided the slippage between Shaliyah Tibor and everyone, which mm -hmm. I'm interested in, which I think is like really present in the Magay and Abraham, where it's like, without the context, I, I like I haven't seen it inside, but it seems like every person is supposed to be wearing a talit when they say slichot, not just the shalich tzibor. Oh, so he, I think, I think the Magen Abraham is also, is also just saying the shalich Okay, tzibor. great. Sorry. Great. In that case, then, it, I just think it's interesting that then it's not like we are, like, in a standard shul situation, we're all imagined to be Moshe or God, but there's, there's like someone who's like close to us who's taking on that role. Right, there's someone like, who's like it's closer and more like us, but it's still not quite like getting to everyone, which is interesting. Okay, good. I think I understand what you're saying, but you could still say, okay, the Shlich Tzibor becomes God, but then we're all Moshe. Okay. With God. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you still like even with that, you still have have the recreation of that moment. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. You don't have to buy it. <laughs> I do. I do though. Okay. Talia, any haras from you? Um, I feel like you, you didn't use the word accountability, but it feels like we're like holding God accountable for like, God said this and like, we're going to hold you accountable to that. Um, and it also felt like the tefillah that God is saying, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that, right, the language of Brit is very strongly connected. Yeah. Um, and it almost felt like the tefillah that God was saying is like a mindfulness thing. Like, calming down. I need to remember to like not get like not let my temper flare. Just like a okay, I'm calming down now. <laughs> so like have this interaction. Just like reminded me of like a this like mindfulness type of approach. Yeah, right. It could be right. Like I need to be grounded to go into this. Yeah, right. Because right, that that I think is right. You have to like like. You know, there's also that like famous psych experiment where if you had Asian women write I'm a woman at the top of a math test, they did worse than if they wrote I'm an Asian at the top of a math test. Yeah. I feel like that's also um, like a very like, like that, in certain ways, right? Like if you connect to a certain like facet of your personality going into something, like it really affects how, how you do it. And, and, um, and, I, and I think it's actually tied, like it ties into like all that grounding stuff that, that helps you to like, like, I don't know, like in our training, like when we we had like one day, not sufficient at all um, training on like, if someone calls you and they're like in the middle of a traumatic incident, like what you're supposed to do. Um, and one of the things is like, tell me what you see. 
Um, not for you, because like, I don't care that you can see a cat, right? It's, it's not for me, it's like, I don't care, right? It's, it's for you, like, oh, I see a cat. Oh, I see a door. Oh, I see, and that all of a sudden, like, can bring you back. Grounding. You back. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, yeah, I think it's related. Anyways, that, yeah, yeah, but it's really audacious to like say, God, you said you're like this. Like we're holding you accountable. Like you better do this. I think it's crazy, but I think it's also the shot of Sleepout. Yeah. Okay, uh, just some quick uh, housekeeping announcements, I guess, before we go for the few people who are still uh, who are still tuned in and also for those who are tuned in um, online. First of all, thank you so much, Ravani Zarna, um, for, for this class tonight. It's super interesting. And I think, um, Telly, everybody could use a little bit of uh, mindfulness these days. Um, so we're going to be continuing our LL programs the rest of the week. Uh, we've got a really jam-packed program tomorrow, part two of Rabbi Moshe Silver's How to Blow the Shofar tutorial. And then Thursday, we have a class on Hasidut and the Spiritual Journey with Rabbi Dr. Ariel Evan-Mays. It's actually the third one of the series. It's the final one before, um, of, of this particular program. So please check it out. If you um, if you need to look at the recordings from beforehand, you can get them on Jerisha's website. I'll mention that in just a second. Um, we also have in Thursday evening, the atonement of Yom Kippur with Rabbi Dr. Shlomo Zafir. And then save the date next Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Israel time. Dr. Yael Ziegler is presenting at our annual Stanley Rudolph Memorial High Holidays Lecture. Uh, she's going to be speaking uh, about about Tehillim. Does the Book of Tehillim tell a story? And again, if you haven't yet registered for these classes, there's still time. And for more information, you can visit our website, www.drisha.org slash classes. And the Zoom, the Facebook Live links, the Drisha Live links, they're all posted on the class. And if, if you did miss it and you want to catch up, um, this class will be posted probably in a couple days. And then others are going to be posted online as well. But you can you can check out the previously recorded classes at um, in our online audio library. So if you go to drisha.org, just click on the online learning, online library option, and you'll and you'll see everything there. Um, if you don't see it there, wait a couple of days; it'll probably be on its way. Uh, thank you again, Ravanite Sarna. We're so happy to have had this opportunity for you uh, to learn with you tonight. And I guess I look forward to seeing all of you and everyone out there in in. Facebook world. <laughs> same time, same place next week, and hopefully sooner. Have a wonderful rest of your night, everyone.